Hello, and God bless you. This is Pastor Jeremy, and what a delight to be with you on this Tuesday, November the 10th of 2020. Uh, We are so happy to have each and every one of you joining us. We want to welcome you today to this podcast, um, and uh, you could join us. You could spend some time with us studying and gleaning from the Word of God. We uh, started yesterday, Monday. Uh, we were in the book of Revelation, and uh, the Lord began to show us many things from the Word of God. And I'm excited about today. You know, the fact is that all of the Word of God is prophecy. It's prophetic. And uh, God is allowing us to see things perhaps in ways that we've never considered before. And I think this is the appropriate time. This is the last days. These these are the end of times that I believe we have begun. And that's why the word of God is becoming so clear, especially unto those that are hungry for the word of God. I believe that you that are listening, you're, you're tuning in because you're hungry. You're tuning in is because the Holy Spirit is uh, brewing inside of you to know him more in a deeper manner. So we're excited today about this uh, Bible study today, and I know God has some fresh manna for us. Joining us today in our um, panel is Brother Marty and Brother Fernando, and as always, it is a pleasure to be able to study the Word of God together. So Brother Marty, I'll leave it to you as we continue to to speak uh, as the Lord uh, is inspiring us to speak today. So whatever God has placed in your heart for today, uh, we come together as we study the Word of God together. Amen. We're looking forward to today's study. We're uh, we're continuing to to explore in the Word of God what we believe um, is the leading of the Holy Spirit. Um, we are living in incredible times. Uh, what we are witnessing right before our eyes, what's taken place uh, this entire year, uh, 2020 the multiple events that have happened uh, in many senses to the untrained eye and without the revealing of the Holy Spirit, many of the events that have happened throughout this year would seem to be unconnected, uh, just event after event, people shaking their heads as to what what's next. But as we go on in our study this week, we're going to see quite possibly that all these things uh, that we are witnessing are, in fact, not disjointed or, uh, you know, uh, by random chance. But it's quite possible that what we are witnessing uh, are connected events designed for a an outcome, a satanic outcome. And it is that kind of thinking and uh, and reflection that has led us to uh, to put a hold uh, on Paul's sermon at Athens. For those of you who have been following us on the, Paul's journey to Athens, we we made it to where he was being brought to Mars Hill, and then the events of last week began to really, um, which was the presidential election, began to really uh, change uh, the direction in this sense, and that is that. Uh, you know we're going to be going by as we feel led by the spirit to continue to explore and and uh, and search the scriptures for for answers and what we sense in in the part that we're playing 
which is to to look in the word and, and to and to find uh, what it is that we sense the Spirit is saying uh, to the churches, to ourselves, and to the churches. And so that is that has brought us to the Book of Revelation, and we're looking for what lies behind the curtain. And the and the Word of God has all the answers, and and they're found in Jesus Christ. He is the key that unlocks understanding. As the Bible said, in Him uh, dwells all the treasures of wisdom and, and of knowledge. And as we're led by the Holy Spirit, we are beginning to see things happening now. As we have been emphasizing since March when we began this series of podcasts, a, a pattern emerging and prophetic times seem to be um, unfolding right before our very eyes. And so it's with that in mind that uh, the Lord has led us to the book of Revelation, and we're looking at some things now that uh, both are occurring now and are yet to occur in the future, uh, but not the distant future, uh, but they're they're quite possibly, they've already begun, and, and, and things have been set in motion that will have uh, an outcome that the prophets told, told us they would have. We don't come to these things... Uh, in the sense of uh, that, that we're <laughs> that we're speculating uh, from a position of inexperience, but it's the years and years and years that we have reflected upon these things, and the many other things along the way that the Lord told us were signs to look at uh, that we're beginning to see now. And so we began a new series yesterday uh, entitled the 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 patience or the faith and the patience of the saints. And uh, we're coming to you from the book of Revelation. We encourage you to uh, to open your Bibles if you have them. If not, uh, you know, we encourage you to get one. And as we begin to uh, look into our study today, we want to also encourage you, as we did yesterday, if you have friends, neighbors, family uh, that you feel uh, would be benefited by the things that we're discussing, we encourage you to, to share these podcasts and subsequently tell them to share them with their friends. We're just trying to get the word out. We're trying to bring a different kind of perspective maybe than what you're hearing on your 24-7 cable news network. Uh, we're coming to you from the scriptures. And so, again, we're not solicitating funds. We're not trying to build our own thing. Uh, we're simply uh, just three brothers in the Lord um, who who we who who love the word of God and and, and are trying to uh, to uh, by the spirit of God we pray uh, contribute to, to the strengthening of our brothers and and so with that in mind we're going to ask Brother Jeremy to begin our study today uh, by reading uh, Revelation chapter thirteen uh, verse seven and eight and we will begin our study for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and in His name we pray Brother Jeremy Amen. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And power was given him over all kindreds and tongues and nations. And all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him, whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And then verse 9 says, if if any man have an ear, uh, let him hear. So it's very interesting what we've been exploring as we started yesterday. We began to dig into this prophesied uh, one that is coming. And we encourage you to go back and listen to the podcast uh, yesterday as well, if you're just joining us. Uh, but we began to explore uh, the Antichrist. 
the coming of the Antichrist. And, and what we're seeing right now take place across the spectrum of the planet, really, amongst high-level government officials, uh, the struggles that we're witnessing currently in this country, uh, so forth and so on, is, is, a, is a very stark and undeniable separation is taking place uh, between the children of God and, 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 and the children of the wicked one, really, a struggle between uh, light and darkness. You know, Brother Jeremy read there in verse 8 where it says that all that dwell upon the earth shall worship it. But then it it goes on to say whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. So I think right there what the Holy Spirit is communicating to the great apostle to us is that we need to understand uh, the the unfolding revelation within the, the book of Revelation and the prophets and the holy apostles, what they spoke about concerning in times, that the, the actual origin of this conflict that we're witnessing, the, the struggle uh, that occurs, uh, in, in a sense has its origin um, and the control of events were already in many ways um, anticipated, of course, and predetermined the outcome. What's interesting is what we see here in verse 8 is it speaks of a particular class of of, of individuals uh, who are called the names uh, that are not written in the book of life. So <clears throat> there are those whose names are written in the book of life. And, and it goes on to say that the Lamb, uh, whose book of life it is, was slain from the foundation of the world. And this is interesting to me because it, <laughs> it's interjected here in, in the chapter that, that, that deals with the unveiling of the Antichrist. And, and when it talks about the foundation of the world, what it's referencing there is the actual uh, creation of, of the universe itself and, and the cosmos. I believe that's the word there. Is that right, Brother Jeremy? The word is cosmos. Can you, can you reference that for us? Uh, yes, it's uh, it is cosmos. Yes, it's the word cosmos. Yeah, which and, is and, the, the world. What you said. Yeah, go ahead. Would you give us the definition of that? Yes, it literally it means uh, orderly arrangement. Mm-hmm. By implication, the world, um, not just the inhabitants, but it, it speaks about adorning. An apt and harmonious arrangement or constitution, order, government. Let me see what else I can find. Uh, speaks about, like in First Peter 3, the world, the universe. So that means yeah. not just the earth, but the entirety of the cosmos, the universe. Incredible. So what's interesting is the very first definition you gave there was the harmonious arrangement. I think that's what you said. Um, and the constitution or the order or the government. And so it speaks of subset structure, framework, the very building blocks of the orderly arrangement, I think that's what you said, of the universe itself, including the heavenly host, the planetary bodies, the galaxies, all of it. 
in in our modern day, we've called it, you know, time and space. Uh, you know, that which is temporary, yet um, in many ways <laughs> extremely old. And the fact that that what is revealed here in verse eight takes us all the all the way back to the slaying of a lamb before any of that ever was brought into being, before any of it was created, um, it is revealed to us that there is a book of life and and then uh, that, that that book of life is tied to a slaying of the Lamb. We know the Lamb is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so without going too far adrift and in, in digging into it, you know, just to, to point it out there and to stimulate our thought and our meditation. Why? Because you know, what he's talking about and what he's revealing is specifically designed to be understood by the generation that would be alive to witness the events that we've been discussing, which is, as we begin chapter 13, verse 1, we began to see, and we're going to dig into this much more tomorrow, but what is being prophesied by the great apostle is that in the last days, the end times, really, uh, there would arise a super global uh, empire, super state, and it would it would literally engulf the entirety of the planet. It is energized by the old serpent, that dragon, the devil himself, and it is a system that has been uh, attempting to rule the world throughout the generations. Brother Fernando mentioned yesterday uh, the initial attempt was with Nimrod and the Tower of Babel, and in many ways we're returning back to that, you know, because Nimrod was a single figure who sought to unite the world under one language and, and, and in defiance of God to, to have nations. He, he sought instead to unify uh, the population that was then on the planet after the flood. So when we look at current events, for example, and and we see a push toward the removing of boundaries and borders which which define the nations in 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 obedience to God's command that we uh as as humanity uh would become nation states it is the it is the opposite uh that we see uh that is being attempted by the enemy to remove uh, individual nation states or ethnos races of the people and unify them as one giant super state, one giant globe, one giant planetary system headed by a unique individual uh, who will, as we've been looking at yesterday, <laughs> literally be possessed by that one we call um, Apollyon, which we saw in Revelation chapter 9, verse 11. So what we are seeing here is that all that dwell upon the earth, verse 8, shall worship him whose names are not written in the book of, of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So verse 8 begins to separate something. It begins to define those whose names are written in the book of life, those whose names are not. And, and, and so what we are being having revealed to us there is that that the the end time process 
And what we see rising up out of the sea, Revelation 13:1, the super state, the global empire, energized by the dragon, Revelation 13:3, surviving out of a calamity which we'll discuss tomorrow, which has its origins in what the Bible reveals as a plague, as a trigger point, a virus, a, a, (laughs) a, a plague of some sort that weakens a particular geographic territory on the planet. And then it, it recovers from that. And then, you know, however many days afterwards that's going to be, uh, one will come known as, uh, as, as the mouth, right? The great mouth <laughs> in verse 5. Can you read verse 5, Berger? <laughs> the great mouth. The great mouth, the big mouth. <laughs> and there was given unto him a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and power was given unto him to continue forty and two months. So what we are having revealed to us here in verse five, like we talked about yesterday, <laughs> is it appears to be being revealed here that the Antichrist will not take full um or how should we say it, will not become the Antichrist in his fullness until the last three and a half years of human history, as we've known it. It's defined in verse 5 as a 42-month period. So when you read chapter 13, verse 1 through 4, what you are reading there is the process that needs to be set in place before he becomes what he's going to become. Does that make sense to you guys, the way I said it? Yes, yes. Because what we're seeing, yeah, okay, good. Because what we see here is, what's the first component we see, Brother Jeremy, in verse 1? Can you read that? Yes. The first component we said uh, is, I stood up upon the sand of the sea and saw a beast rise up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and upon his horns ten crowns, and upon his heads. The name of blasphemy. So there's there's a lot there, and I want to dig into this more as we go along in the week. But what I want to point out there is we we see a couple of things. First, we see a separation between John the Apostle himself and 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 what is called the sea. What we see is that John is standing upon the sand. He's not in the sea. He's on the sand. And remember, when we read the book of Revelation, what we're reading is very symbolic language. So when we reference the sand, what we are really being shown by the Spirit of God is is the sand goes all the way back in biblical language to Father Abraham. For to him it was promised that his seed would be as the, the sand of the sea. Or even he in, in another part he calls them the if you can number them they'll be as numerous as the stars of the heavens, which is very biblical language. In Daniel, the wise and those who are saved are are likened unto the stars that shine in the firmament, right? And and in in Abraham, his seed he said if you can number the sands of the you know the the grains of sand, so shall your seed be. So so what we first begin to see is that John. Uh, separates himself and identifies himself with the sand. So that lets us know that that the church is still present when these things begin to unfold. 
I stand upon the sand of the sea. But coming up out of the sea, he says, I see a beast rising up out of the sea. Now, we know from the Bible that the sea represents the collective humanity, collective humanity, the nations of the world that are alive at this time that he's referencing. So we have a difference between the sand and we have a, uh, and the sea. And it's designed to be revealed that way symbolically so that we understand that, that what is about to transpire has its origin in those, what we just read in verse 8, whose names are not written in the book of life. So they are separate. They are the sea. And what is being revealed here is that if we, if we pause and think about it, what we're being told is that, because remember, John wrote this 2,000 years ago as the Lord gave it to him. But he was saying in that far-flung distant future of humanity's history, when we begin to come to the conclusion of all matters and the prophetic scriptures themselves cross over not only into the last days, but into the very end times, two specific uh, time frames are given. The last days have actually been occurring since the birth of Jesus Christ. That's what we were told in Hebrews chapter 1, that God has spoken unto us in these last days by his son. So the birth of Christ began the clock ticking, if you will, that, that, that uh, opened the door uh, to the last days. And, and, and the last days have really been unfolding since the appearance of Christ on the earth for the last 2,000 years. But then Daniel is told in the book of Daniel, let's turn over there real quick, Brother Jeremy. We've been there a lot lately, but let's look at Daniel chapter 12 and read to us uh, again uh, a distinction between the last days and what the angel Gabriel called the end times, which is what we're referencing right now. Uh, let's see. Well, first of all, why don't you start reading from... Uh, Verse 3 and 4. Could you read that to us, 3 and 4? Yes. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament, and they that turn many to righteousness as the stars forever and ever. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book, even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. So he references something called the time of the end. Now, this is different than the last days. And again, we had Brother Jeremy read verse 3 because he, uh, we were talking about the stars that shine in the heavens. Uh, that's where we see it in verse 3. Uh, the, the church, the wise, are called as those that will shine like the stars forever and ever. And also in Abraham, uh, you know, he said, your seed will be like the sand if you can number the grains of sand. So we're referenced to, uh, uh, the church is referenced as stars and sand. And that's why we, we uh, show you John says, I'm standing upon the sand uh, uh, of, of the sea, which is, be, begins this separation. But we're talking about the time of the end. What Daniel was told, in, in, and we've been over this many times, but it's good to, to refresh ourselves, is that the prophecies of the end of time would be sealed up. And that, that it would not be given to all the subsequent generations of the church or of the people of God until the time of the end. 
And then he said that what would mark one of the clues that would mark the time of the end was the ability to travel running to and fro and and the collective knowledge of humanity would be vastly increased. So he was literally talking almost like a, a like a Moore's law of travel and education being vastly increased. And it would be a defining marker of the end of time. That that the wise would understand this. Now, if you if you go into the old commentaries, for example, of the scholars that you know, even from the early church fathers, they had a little more insight, but yet they weren't fully aware um, of many of the prophecies or how they would unfold. They would speculate. But then as you go through the centuries and, and, and so forth and so on, even even the earliest 20th century, when you go into those commentaries and you get to certain particular prophetic passages, many of those scholars will admit, we really don't understand. You know, it'll be, it'll be for a future generation. But what we see now happening is that it's almost like we're opening the Bible and when we begin to search the prophetic scriptures as if we're reading the newspaper. It is so plainly obvious to those who take the time to study it and and to ask the Holy Spirit to show them and guide them that many of the things which have not been understood in previous generations are suddenly being able to be discussed and talked about. Because the scenarios that we're living up under right now are so uh, <laughs> are so akin to what the Bible said would be occurring as to alert us to the fact that indeed we are living in these times. And so when we when we are talking about the time of the end, it is a specific time. And in 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 many senses, the entirety of everything. Uh, that has transpired since the foundation of of the universe itself has been moving on the highway of God's will and purpose and counsel to these ultimate events. And so when we go back to Revelation, let's go back and look there. Um, That's what we're seeing. We We have dropped into the 13th chapter and begun to dissect it. And the fact that we're able to even discuss it is an indication that we have we have we have quite possibly reached these these moments that are not just the last days, but in fact are called the end of time or the end of human history as we know it. That is where we're headed to. And so what we see here in Revelation thirteen one, John is separate from the sea. He's standing on the sand because the Holy Spirit is setting the tone for our interpretation and meditation and what is to follow. He wants us to understand that that what is being triggered is a separation between light and darkness. And and so what John immediately draws our attention to is the sea, which represents the nation, the tongues, the tribes. Let's take a look uh, at that, just so you know that, you know, we're using scripture to interpret scripture. In verse 15 of chapter 17, can you read that to us, Brother Jeremy? Uh, 15, yes. And he said unto me, The waters which thou sawest, where the whore sitteth, are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. All right, so there we see that waters, uh, are, are, are multiple waters, are likened to people, nations, tribes, and tongues. 
So when we take that, that lens and apply it to what John is revealing to us here, he's saying, in essence, this beast that rises up out of the sea, uh, which is separate from the true church, is, is having something collectively, and it's, it's satanic. It, it, it's, it's the influence of time that begins to move humanity into a place where they begin to, to have emerge out of them a collective consciousness that desires to unify and become one, but in an absolute rejection or at least a preconditioned mental state that, that reaches a point of pseudo-enlightenment that rejects the God of the Bible. Because what begins to happen in chapter 13 is what we just read in, in verse 7 is that the intent of these times will turn its focus and its ferocity against the saints of the Most High God. And we're saying that to say that we are well on our way to this kind of persecution coming upon the church. It has already been raging around the world for many decades. Really, it's been a consistent theme throughout the ages, of course, but now we're seeing it in earnest, and we're seeing it sanctioned by global powers. You know, really up until the time of the current administration and the president of the United States, there were many times that, that other presidents that claimed to be believers and conservatives, and this one doesn't necessarily complain, you know, uh, claim to be, you know, an on-fire-for-God, Bible-believing believer, but he's the first one that I can remember that actually worked in earnest to to uh, to help free persecuted Christians and and others uh, like that pastor that was in jail in Turkey at the beginning of his administration. He literally enacted policies to free the missionaries and the pastors that were being held by foreign governments. But up up until that point, we've we've basically only seen lip service done to it, and none of them were ever rescued. None of them were even brought to the forefront. So what I'm saying in that sense is that global powers have moved uh, to, to, to persecute the church. And what we're being told here in Revelation chapter 13 is that the church will be the central focus of the whole system because it is the last remaining bastion of light that is holding back the, the, the actual uh, you know, overflow of the entire planet coming up under this system. That's what we're talking about here. So when John sees uh, this beast rising up out of the sea, that's an interesting way to say it. Now, Brother Fernando, you were you were you were talking about Apollyon yesterday uh, to me, and uh, share a little bit about what what you were thinking because when you look at it here, what this seems to be implying is is this mysterious beast, right? We know who he is now because we talked about it yesterday the beast is different than the dragon the beast is apollyon abaddon and he's seen in in revelation 9 11 can you read that to us brother jeremy again who he is yes and they had a king over them which is the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in the hebrew tongue is abaddon but in the Greek tongue hath his name Apollyon. 
So what I find interesting is that what John is revealing here in Revelation 13, 1, that beast, that Apollyon, that Abaddon, there seems to be some sort of residue or some sort of influence uh, that begins to, the spirit of it begins to move upon uh, collective humanity. And it's an imposition of satanic thought that begins to move everybody on the planet apart from the church in a direction that begins to desire a global state. Any thoughts on that? Anybody? Um, oh, no, I agree. Okay. I agree, brother. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, brother, right. brother Marty, yeah, good. I, I, I keep thinking, you know, what we read in Daniel right now, how uh, knowledge um, uh, shall be increased. Um, and I don't know if it just came to me, to my to my mind, I've just been meditating on it, is what took place in the days of Noah. It almost seems like something similar when these angels, fallen angels came with the people. And, you know, when you read some ex, like from the book of Enoch and what they taught the people, right? It was such mm-hmm. so advanced. It was in, in terms of, you know, making weapons and, and you know, it was so advanced uh, in their time, but it literally caused the whole world with the exception of Danny, excuse me, with the exception of Noah to come to this sort of one mind too in rebellion against God. Yeah. And only uh Noah was wise enough to to heed to the warning that God gave him and he was able to save his family. And uh so we see clues of all of this that you're speaking about in some sort of way in the days of Noah. Yeah. Uh the influence uh that we see. I don't know, do you guys see that connection or am I reading too much into it? <laughs> No, well, we know we know it's consistent with what the Lord said, so we have to always apply what the Lord said to it. You're right. It, it, it's all connected. You know, the days of Noah obviously had this 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 uh, sort of of move within it. I mean, it, it seems to have carried over across the flood, right? Because Nimrod moves in that same way uh, to unify right. the nation, right? So, absolutely. And and what's interesting? Let's just talk about this for a second. Uh, where he says in verse 1, uh, the beast, because that's who we're zoning in on here. We know that the beast is Apollyon. We know that he is separate from Satan. We know that he has to be un- unlocked. And we know that happened in Revelation 9-11, what's being revealed to us here. The influence begins to move upon collective humanity. But the fact that John is standing on the sand of the sea shows us that the church itself, the real church, is is where the presence of God will abide. But the 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 and and will in many ways witness it, but be immune from its influence. So we we are being told here that the beast rises up. You know what's interesting, brother Fernando? You mentioned yesterday that uh, Apollyon uh, reminded you of Nimrod. And I think it was either you or both of you who mentioned 
that Nimrod was a mighty hunter before God? Do you remember saying that? Right. Right? But when you look at the word beast, it, it implies that. It has two components in the Greek. The, 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 the root word indicates a wild, ferocious game or also a, a, the kind of beast that hunts. Uh, that's what it means. Dangerous <laughs> animal. Yeah. Venomous, wild beast. Uh, a brutal, yeah, ferocious, savage. What's the root word? Go to the root word now. The root word would be uh, is from from a wild animal as game hunting, hunting, uh, yeah. destruction, trap, a hunting of wild beasts to destroy them. Metaphorically, of of, of destruction of men, as Nimrod did, right? Amen. So that's 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 what we're saying here is that it's it's in keeping with what you guys were talking about yesterday. We are seeing a return to the very very beginning, and the expression of 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 Nimrod in the beginning will will meet its full expression here not too many days ahead from us. The characteristics are the same, and it is energized by the beast from the bottomless pit, who Satan himself is allowed to unlock. Revelation nine. One, when the key is given to him uh, to unlock the bottomless pit, that beast rises up. So we need to understand it from the perspective. Now, I don't have the adequate adjectives to describe this, but what you mentioned yesterday about principalities and powers, what what Paul talked about. You made a statement in yesterday's uh, uh, podcast, Brother Fernando, where you said that what we are going to witness is the full-fledged, unbridled, unshackled expression of principality and powers headed by this Antichrist figure, energized uh, by, by the dragon himself. You talked about we're going to see something that has never been seen before, ever, not at this full expression. Do you remember saying that? <laughs> yeah, we know that. We know that the enemy mimics everything <clears throat> God tries to do. Um, I was actually speaking with Brother Jeremy uh, off air about this, where it says of, of Christ in Colossians 2, verse 9, concerning Christ, to get into to get a picture of what it might look like with the with the enemy and the men of sin and Apollyon and so forth and so on. It says of Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So mm. Jesus said things like, when you see me, you see the Father. He is in me and I'm in him. But he also had the spirit of God in him, the power. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and Christ was the Son of God manifested in the flesh. So we see that the whole Godhead dwelt in Christ bodily. He represented the, the 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 Trinity in his in his bodily form in the earth. Um, as John said, the 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 Word became flesh. So in essence, what we see with the Son of Perdition, the Man of Sin, he is a Son after all, the Son of the Devil. Uh, and and then we 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 throw in this this. Uh, uh, this this being called Apollyon, he is in essence forming the very same thing. Yeah. If we can see it, right? Yeah. 
Um, so, so just to understand, just to, yeah, it's a, it's the thought um, that he, that he's mimicking his own trinity, so to speak. Um, and then, and then you throw in the false prophet, um, and so forth and so on. But it's something very interesting to consider, at the very least, um, mm-hmm. because we do know that Apollyon is an uh, it's a being that has a role in these last days um, in connection with the dragon and the son of perdition. Yeah, you know, when it, when it, when John talked about the Lord Jesus Christ and said, in the beginning was the Word, right? And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There wasn't anything made uh, that was made without him, right? And he, he becomes flesh. And what you just mentioned about this unholy trinity, in many ways, the beast himself is almost like the 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 satanic word, you know. <laughs> I know that's pretty out there, but but that's that's, that's what right. you're saying, right? And he becomes flesh, and how he becomes flesh is through the the very body and being of this one that we call and have called the Antichrist regeneration. See. Much of what it we're is, talking and, about, and it but, is his word. It is his word because the verse prior says this: "Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy." The word that's that's mm-hmm. the word of the world, the rudiments of yeah. the world, and vain deceit mm-hmm. um, after the tradition of men. They the world and the course of this world has their own word after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. It's mm-hmm. not the word of Christ. It's not the philosophy. It's not the tradition. It's, it's, not, it's not the true word of God. It's the, it's the world's word. Hmm. That's powerful. Yeah, and then that made me think of Revelation 13.5 because once it takes shape, the word, right, or the philosophies of the vain deceit, which is energized by the dragon himself, right? He's the one who introduced that word back in the garden. Uh, when, when you think about it in verse five, it, it culminates in 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 the system being given a mouth, right? Verse five, there was given unto him a mouth, mm-hmm. and and and, yes. and and without getting too far afield here, uh, he begins to express satanic will, right? He begins to speak on behalf of the one who who loosed him, which is the devil himself. He is the son of perdition. He is the son of the devil. However that is, I don't know. All I know is that that is what the scripture is telling us, that there is there are separate components to what we call the unholy trinity, which is what you are talking about, the imitation of the devil himself, uh, because he's not an originator of anything but death. Uh, of, of what he saw God do. He's trying to replicate it in the attempt to overthrow it. It's really fascinating. What's, uh, so let's go, go ahead. I have a question from the perspective of a student uh, of the word, Brother Marty, and I just want to make sure, maybe somebody else may have this question, that I just want to make sure. On, in chapter 13, we're speaking from verse 1, verse 2, where it mentions what John mentions, I saw a beast. What we're saying is that this beast is Apollyon, the one that he speaks about in Revelation 9-11. Yeah. Am, am, I under, am I understanding it correctly? Yeah. 
Okay. And, and that's okay. that's exactly right because, um, and again, it, it's it's an individual that that takes shape in verse five. It's a spirit. It's whoever that is, right? Because because we're we're talking about mysterious things here, but it, right. but yet it's right. But yet it's being revealed. It's a distinct personality, and yet it's able to take. A possession of a clay vessel because it says a mouth was given to him the the tie between dimensions is 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 for another day to explore at length, but it seems to be a necessary uh, allowance that that what is said must be spoken through a human vessel and it must be spoken in the earth because here is where the arena is as brother fernando said a few podcasts ago where all things are being contested the mystery of the planet earth the bible takes a great deal of time to emphasize throughout the psalms and in other places that the earth is the lord and and the fullness thereof and when you begin to when you begin to draw back the lens of focus to a much more, uh, you know, an overview, as if you were, you know, peering down upon the planet from, from space itself, <laughs> when you look at prophetic things from that perspective, then we begin to understand that in, in, in tiny measure, really, that, that this battle, this conflict is 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 at such high level that and this is a mystery to me and I'm pray and I'm, I'm just talking to you guys and I and I hope you guys listening to us out there don't don't fault me for this but I'm just I'm just talking right now because there's many things I would love to say uh, yet I can't say them uh, you know without <laughs> spending in a extremely uh, long time laying the premise and then expressing what it is. But I'm going to say this. <clears throat> there appears to be revelations within the Word of God that seem to teach us that all things that are, um, that that have tangible uh, meaning, substance to them, things that can be understood by the things that are made, that's what Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1, that all of it has been constructed under set parameters of absolute pristine perfection realized and expressed through the creator. Bearing that in mind, all things must be uh, acted upon and dealt with under the confines of what is stated perfection. To transcend that in any way would be to to usurp the very framework that he himself established. And all that he does is perfect. Mm-hmm. And so sure he could usurp things and he could, you know, because we've had that question just to make it simple. You know, you know, why did God allow this, right? Well, that is spoken from the perspective of a very limited 
uh, thought, to think of it in much larger terms and understand that what we are what we are are being told in many aspects is that we are, as Peter talked about it, when it relates to us, we were born into a situation uh, that has already been corrupted, defiled, and is, is decaying when he speaks about the universe. And he speaks about the inheritance that was given to all of humanity from the original human, Adam, and that his choices and decisions in the dateless past plunged humanity into a condition that that was defiled and decayed and, and corrupted. But, but this is a situation that occurred as the result of another creature interjecting a, 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 a competing thought separate from his father, that is, Adam's father, God. And when you understand that what plunged the entirety of all things into these places had to do with that, had to do with mm -hmm. thought, then you're talking about levels of intelligence interacting. So when, when a created being comes up against one who has no beginning and, and he chooses to rebel, which is what is revealed in Isaiah 14, we have to understand that it was always understood that the possibility of it had to be allowed in order for the balance of it to be justified. <laughs> so, so, so I said all that fancy stuff and, and kind of crazy stuff there to say that when we get to the book of Revelation and we're dealing with these creatures, these cre creative beings, who are in blatant rebellion against God, that everything, as far as we can tell by the scripture that we go back to and, and, and look at and study, is telling us that by the time we get to the end time, we are reaching the, 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 uh, the final throes of rebellious energy. It's, it's like the wave that crashes you know, no matter how big the wave is, when it crashes on the shore, it expends its energy all the way up until it has no more, and then it withdraws itself back into the ocean. Well, what we are witnessing at the end of time is just that. The wave that crashed in the garden has been flowing throughout humanity's history. And when we reached these times that we're living in now, which I believe are the end times, we are witnessing the last bit of rebellious energy being allowed to be expressed, but it's about to be uh, dealt with and, and folded back up <laughs> into nothingness. Wow. <laughs> Brother wow. Marty, you need, <laughs> I need some sleep. <laughs> <Get it. laughs> Go ahead. You know, you, you, you made me think of a conversation that God had with Job, where before, you know, we, 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 and you've spoken about it before, where he tells Job, you know, where were you, you know? Wow. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou understand, you know, if you have understanding, but it's what he says before that. 
And what he says before, I think, is very telling, and it's connecting to what you just said, Brother Marty. And it's that when in chapter 38 and verse 1 and verse 2, then the Lord spoke to Job out of the storm. He said, um, he says, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words mm. without knowledge? In other words, who is this from the NIV now? Who is this that obscures my plans oh, wow. with words without knowledge? Who is he talking about? Satan devil. himself. Yeah. The devil. Mm -hmm. That's why we're, you know, that's why this has to be fixed. And then yes. he says, where were you when I laid the foundation? Where were you of the earth? Declare it. And, you know, he speaks about the measures thereof. Does that know it? And then in verse 7, something interesting, he says, when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. Yeah. You know, they were present there. <laughs> something happened before, even before the foundation of the earth that it, 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 it spilled into time. When, when Adam and Eve uh, believed the lie, Right, that was spewed. Right, and yeah. I just thought it was interesting, brother, uh, brother Marty, brother Fernando. What he says, you know, he asked first. He asked the question, "Who is he that obscures my plans with words without knowledge?" That's that's Satan himself. I see a connection there. <laughs> I Dude, see the I mean, why, <laughs> brother? That's that. You know, that's that's really profound what you're saying, because when when you read what you read in Job chapter 38, where it says, who is he that darkeneth counsel? We know that what you just said, the father is telling Job something very powerful there. Because remember, the entire book of Job, he's dealing with three guys who have come and, and basically called Job into question for why he was suffering and tried to lay it at his feet and say, why don't you just admit it? You know, you're you're just you did something so horrible that God is punishing you. And they they go into these intricate descriptions of why they're laying this case before Job's feet. As a matter of fact, Job goes, "Man, you're the worst comforters in the world, right?" I mean, he went earlier on in, in the book of Job, but all of it seems to be human interaction. But then when God shows up, he he's trying to to get Job to understand something even higher. When he says, who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? He begins to tell him, in essence, that 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 your three friends who aren't very good at comforting you uh, and who've been speaking to you for these last 37 chapters or however long it's been, uh, he's basically saying it, it wasn't them who were talking to you. It was the devil, right, speaking through them. And, and and that's why he takes him all the way back to the very beginning. Very powerful what you brought up there. And and you know what, brother? And I pray you all listening to us are, are following along and at least, you know, thinking about some things because in, in our weird minds, it's actually collected, connected to Revelation 13. So listen, <laughs> when you read in verse 7 where it says that the morning star sang and the sons of God shouted for joy, um, Verse six before that says that that the reason they did was that he had laid the cornerstone of the foundations of the earth, 
and we know who the cornerstone is, right? Yeah. It's Jesus. Yes, yes. Because we either have to conclude, because what he's revealing to Job is so <laughs> profound that he takes him all the way back to the very foundation of uh, of laying the cornerstone of the universe, because he says, where is everything held together? How is everything held together? And he says, it's by the foundation stone, and it's all connected and held together by him. And he's referencing Christ, and because we know he's the cornerstone. So what we're literally witnessing in how God was relating to Job was he takes him back to the foundation of the universe, the lamb, right? We read at the beginning of this, who was slain before the foundation of the cosmos. That's what you're talking about here, and it's incredibly profound because because what we're witnessing, and, it, and it's, it's necessary to understand it from this perspective, all these fancy words and thoughts and concepts and stuff that we're talking about, when it culminates in Book of Revelation 13, it is meant to anchor the believer. Because John, like we read in Revelation 13.10, goes on to talk about patience and faith of the saints. He's trying to let the end-time saints know. That yes, you're going to come up under some incredibly crazy stuff, man, and you're going to see all this transpire before your eyes. It's going to culminate in the final three and a half years of human history with this incredibly wicked one possessed by an ancient being known as Apollyon, who was let loose by his father, the devil, so to speak, and he turns his attention to, to attack the saints, to make war with them, and to dominate the planet. And he's trying to tell us that you must have your understanding in the things of God anchored to the plan and the purpose of God. You're a privileged generation of the church, and, and you, have, you are the end of it. You have come to the end of it, and, and you're going to have to understand things from a much more profound perspective, as our Lord did, in that he went into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he sought a way out. Don't think that this, <laughs> don't think that it wasn't intense. It, it's beyond description what he was going through. It wasn't just his mere humanity going, gee whiz, I don't want to go through this. It was, it was the struggle for the birth of something and the removing of other things. What is it that's being removed is death. See, when you're young, you don't really get it. But when you get older and you begin to and you have a relationship with God, you begin to realize just how insidious death is. The fact that I would have to abandon everyone I love, that I would have to have, you know, good memories only to give way to a final breath that places me in a in a tomb, in a grave, whatever you want to call it, and I cease to exist. That is the most cruel of ironies. But see what the scripture reveals is that what we are involved in is the struggle between life and death and which one was going to dominate forever. <laughs> and, 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 and the power of Christ Jesus in yes. obedience to his Father. That's what the book of Hebrews says. That in so much that the children were partakers of flesh and blood, he himself likewise, the Lord Jesus Christ, partook part of the same, that through death he would destroy him who had the power of death. As long as that power was in the possession of a rebellious being, 
it would always and forever taint everything going forward. The mastery of our Lord, the, the, the inability to describe his incredible self, the counsel of his will, he's, he, he's not perfect. He is perfection. I mean, it's not a yeah. quality that he possesses. It is who he is. And so all things have to be done perfectly. And, and yeah. all the, the interactive uh, you know, intersections of possibilities had to be measured, had to be understood, had to be calculated, and their subsequent solutions uh, had to be measured. And so that, that if we're headed to something that the scripture is talking about, which is a new heaven and a new earth, a completely new, redefined set of physics and parameters, but free and void of any possibility of corruption, decay, or defilement going forward, then what we are living in, this construct we call the cosmos, was a temporary place where all things would be decided and dealt with. Because the Bible teaches us that it's all going to be folded up like a garment and done away with. Even the devil himself, it is said, shall be no more. And then there's the new heaven, the new earth. The Bible uses stuff, uh, stuff words to describe the Lord as being the beginning of the creation of God, as if, as if every act of creative display by the Father has always been leading to one magnificent act of creation that is perfect and pristine and void of any possibility of anything ever tainting that going forward into all the magnificent things yet to be revealed by this one we call God and his son, the Lord Jesus Christ and his blessed Holy Spirit. And he wants us to understand that so that what we're about to go through, and it's already begun, this globalist agenda, this coming together of, of a one world system, this coming antichrist, all that stuff, he wants us to understand you're witnessing the end of things, and I'm going to bring you through it. And what lies on the other side of the threshold of the past is the immediacy of the present and a future that is far greater than you can ever imagine. And here, he says, is why we need that patience and faith of the saints. Go ahead, brother. I'm yeah. sorry. I, I want to encourage somebody. There's so many things going in my head right now. My head is spinning. Of, of <laughs> I know God is revealing something. Uh, you, you talk, you we're talking to the saints. We're encouraging them, right? Uh, yeah. We have a cornerstone. But it's not just a cornerstone that's been laid. It's been it's a tested cornerstone. Praise God. <laughs> we, we, we don't think about, you know, when we, when we speak about Jesus coming in the flesh, we think it was just a done deal uh, because he's God and it was going to get done. No, he, the Bible, and you made me think about Hebrews, but what the Bible says, look what it says about Jesus. Uh, see, this cornerstone is one that you can be sure of. It's been tested. 
It says in in uh, in Hebrews five seven, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up Jesus, right? When he had offered, yeah. Jesus himself offered up prayers and supplications with strong cries and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. But though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by mm. the things which he suffered. I'm talking about the cornerstone here. <laughs> mm. Hallelujah. It's a sure foundation. It was one that was tested, but Jesus, this is not, you know, that's why it's so difficult uh, for in, in one's mind to try to comprehend what, what, uh, what I think you're, you're trying to say, Brother Mark, just the the um, the amount of, <laughs> I don't know how what word to use, of pressure, not pressure, but the amount of what we're talking about, the, the significance of what we're talking about. Jesus himself, though he was the son of God, had to learn the obedience by the things which he suffered. Yeah, and, and, and all read, of to this, us, read to us but, verse 9, brother. Read to us verse 9. And then it says, and being made perfect. And what you were talking about, he's not that he, he is perfection. He, he was made, made perfect. He became, hallelujah, the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Hallelujah. Yeah, and what it. And what is the call to obedience to obey him? See, he obeyed his father, and, and we become those who obey him. And what was his command? You take up your cross and you follow yes. me. Yes. Because it's the pathway. It, it, it's abhorrent to temporary creatures who don't have a concept of eternity or forever. But he forged the way. And and the, what you just read there, Brother Jeremy, is so powerful. Uh, in verse 7, 8, and 9, but, but he became the author. He wrote it. <laughs> he, he is the beginner and the finisher. He, he is the possessor of all things. And, and he, he, he's the author of eternal salvation. He's the beginning of the creation, eternal salvation. That means that it is, it is incapable of being lost. It is a rescue mission. <laughs> for all things it, it, it's 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 incredible but it's to them that obey him so we follow in his footsteps take up your cross and follow me i will show you the way to forever and and i will show you the way to to life right that's what we started out reading in revelation 13 8 that the names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They were recorded before the cosmos ever came into being. That tells us we are engaged in a fabulous, fantastic, splendiferous, whatever word you want to use, incredible plan of God. In that my name, your name, and all who know his grace by the forgiveness of our sins, all of it was recorded before we ever existed. On page whatever, there, there is a name written that says Jeremy Estrada, Fernando Milan, Debbie Martinez, whatever, man. Go down the list of the saints of God. It was recorded there. 
because he always intended you to be. And, 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 and so he, again, we're talking about, he uses that phraseology before the foundation of the world, Revelation 13, 8, that your name is in that book because he wants us to understand. He wants us to take that part of learning obedience <laughs> through the things we suffer, right? Obedience to what? It's not just like like we as earthly fathers telling our children, don't do this, you can do that, but don't do this. That's not the kind of obedience he's talking about. He's talking about the obedience to the revealed will of God. Be obedient to it. In other words, you have to learn the pathway by which it's all being brought to pass. And you must be obedient to that that function, that form that it takes in order to make it happen. This is deep water we're talking about right here. And it's not necessary that you understand it. <laughs> you know, if you're confused or you're kind of lost, it's okay. It's simply, we're simply saying, Jesus loved me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, right? So no matter what we go through, <laughs> no matter what is ahead of us, it's going to be all right because it's been revealed and it's yes. been told. That's that's why the Lord told his disciples, right? Before Know that I've told you before it happens. So when it begins to happen, you'll know, oh, my gosh, that's what's written. Well, that's what we're seeing. You know, to bring it back down to our day, this this whole election madness that we're going through right now, you are watching the fight, the last attempt by by satanic power to maintain control on humanity and the planet itself. But we have been told this would happen. That is what you're seeing. And the days that are ahead, like we said yesterday, every day is so volatile right now that anything could happen. But for the saint of God, our hope must be anchored and must come under subjection to the to and be obedient to the will and the plan and the purpose of Almighty God. And the Lord Jesus Christ showed us what that is, revealed to us what that is, and gave us the roadmap to come out the other side and forever be with him. And we will be with our loved ones. We will be with our children. We will be with our brothers and sisters. We will be together and we will join our place in the ranks of the saints that went before us, who, like the book of, of Hebrews tells us, surround us, looking over the portals of the dimensions of heaven, shouting down to us as a great cloud of witnesses, you're almost home. Praise God. Well, <laughs> I don't know what <laughs> how this is going to come out on, on our podcast, but but I'm inspired myself. I, I preach myself happy, so I hope I hope uh, and what my brother shared really encouraged you as well. We'll pick it up from here again tomorrow. We're being led by the Spirit, but we're going to talk about uh, some deeper things as we begin to see uh, that it's quite possible we have reached these times. And we're, we're, we're trying to encourage, to inform, and to prepare for what is just ahead. Brother Jeremy, Brother Fernando, anything else? 
let's encourage our listeners again. We we are trying to understand things that go far beyond it's Republican against Democratic Dem- Democrats. <laughs> We're trying to understand eternal things, and many times, you know, this doesn't come easy. You know, God, not because God hides things from you, He hides it for you, and this calls us. To, to like as Brother Marty says, you know, to encourage you to search these things, because we are tech, we are we are we are talking about the very soul, your very soul. That's what we're fighting for. It's your soul. It's to understand, and in order to understand what is happening, you must understand what happened at the beginning. That's why John takes us to the before the foundations, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the key to unlock the mystery. The mystery, and you know, uh, to to speak in in plain English, the mystery is the love of God. <laughs> it's that yeah. love of God that even before we were born, as as that song that you sing, Brother Marty, when He was on the cross, we were on His mind. You know, uh, that's what we're trying to understand. So don't be discouraged if you don't understand. I don't even understand. I I, I don't even know how I'm <laughs> on this panel. I'm I'm just here <laughs> by the grace of God. You know. I represent all the dummies in the world, you know, but I don't know. And if someone, no, no, I'm being facetious. But, you know, um, (laughs) what I'm trying to understand is I I have problems understanding things, but I don't give up. You ask questions. You, 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 you perceive, you learn to listen. And let me tell you something, just something that has helped me through the years. You begin to amass kind of a, a computer inside of your heart and and you begin to store this information, and then it will begin to make sense to you. And this is the very time. These are very exciting times. That's why I want to encourage yeah. the listener. These are very exciting times because God is actually revealing these things. You know, what has taken Brother Marty, you know, 30, 40 years of his life to learn, we're getting them in, in, in six months. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. What it, what it's taken Brother Fernando many years to search, we're getting it yeah. in a few months, you know, and that's the beauty. And, and we thank God because even men before that, you know, the yeah. commentaries you have, those are 30 years of a life being spent in studying so that we can get this information. But you know what? We have the best teacher. Yeah. We have the best. We have the Holy Spirit. He's Great. the one yeah. who can teach us. He's the one who says, you don't need nobody. You just need to allow me to speak into your life. So I'm very encouraged. I'm learning with you. We are all on a mission. We're learning. We are are talking about the book of Revelation, perhaps as we've never heard it before. But that's the Mm. intention. That's the intention of God, to bring us to an understanding. Because God is not a God of confusion. God is not. God is revealing these things. And the Bible says that he reveals these things to his servants, right? Yeah. And we must be like, and then and then in turn, uh, his servants speak to the people, the people speak unto others, and that's the way we, we tell others of what is going on. So we pray that you've been blessed, and, uh, and we thank you. We thank you for being part of this podcast, and we pray you join us tomorrow as we continue to make sense of all these things that we're talking about in Revelation chapter 13 and This is exciting times. We love you, and we pray that you join us tomorrow. May God bless you. May God keep you. And as always, keep looking up.